part three of Who Do You Think You Are? That's a little fun action 70s dance party that the staff had a few weeks ago, and it was amazing. No, that is not my real hair. Uh, awesome. If you are just uh, brand new to the series, we uh, have been tracking some ground in this, talking about asking and answering the question, who do you think you are? Because the world around us, the culture around us, loves to try and define us. And, and they spend actually billions of dollars a year trying to define who we are, trying to tell us in no uncertain terms who we are, that we're defined by this possession, we're defined by, by the car we drive, we're defined by the position we have or the title on our business card. The world around us is working overtime to try and define us. But as we've been talking about throughout this series, the, the only true way to figure out and define who we are is to go back to the source of truth, which is the Bible. And so for the last few weeks, we've been looking into the Bible to talk about and ask and answer this question, who do we think we are? So uh, I want us to, to look at another passage today because today we're actually going to be talking about this idea that we are the sons and daughters of God. There's an interesting verse in, in the book of 1 John, which was actually a letter that the Apostle John was writing to a group of believers a lot like us. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, here's what he says. The, the whole theme of the letter is, is about this idea that, that we are children of God, that we are the sons and daughters of God. And, and I want us to look at that today. Look what he says. 1 John chapter 3 says this, How great is the love the fathers lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then he makes, because that's what we are. That is what we are. Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God. This weekend uh, at our family, you know, at our house, we had a pretty chill weekend, um, by and large, Friday and Saturday. And one of the things, though, that we did is we, we started, I don't even know why, we started digging out some home videos of my kids. I have an almost 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And so we got them out um, on Friday afternoon. It was raining and stuff. And I'm like, guys, you want to watch some home videos? And they're like, no. And so we'll sit down. So, uh, so we, we pulled them out. And, uh, and we started watching these home videos. And you guys, it was like it, the, the kids were just electrified. I mean, you know, they just are watching themselves and they're laughing at each other. And, and as a father... It was like so amazing to, to watch these videos, but then to watch my kids watch themselves. Like, I'm so proud of my kids. Like, I turn to my wife and I go, do you realize there's not enough money in the whole world for what these videos are worth to us? Now, to you, they might not be worth anything, but to me, they're worth so, so much. Why? Because they're my kids. Well, guys, that's what I want to talk about today. I want us to, to look at what it means to be called sons and daughters of God. Because that's what we are. We are the children of God. You are now, John says, the children of God. And that's why I want us to look at this. Because when, if we're going to talk about and ask and answer this question, who do we think we are, then we have to understand what the Bible says about us in terms of being sons and daughters of God. And actually, the Apostle Paul begins to, to fan this thing out, begins to, to really talk about this idea of being the sons and daughters of God in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, because Paul is writing this letter in, in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, which had become a banner church in that whole region of the world. And this church at Ephesus was reaching people for Christ and sending out church planters and raising up young men and women to just go out and be amazing for God in their communities. 
And so Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus in the book of what we know as the book of Ephesians. And look at where he starts. I want us to see this. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. Paul, he states it first. It's not like in, in our day and age where you put the, your name at the end. In their day and age, you put your name at the beginning. It's like, who's writing this letter? Paul. Boom. So he puts his name at the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's a whole sermon right there. What does that say? Well, guys, we are so blessed. He's like, man, you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. In other words, you have no idea just how blessed you are and how much your heavenly Father is pulling for you. Then he continues on in verse 4. Here's, here's the reason why you're so blessed. Here's what he says. Look, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. What does it mean to be, be sons and daughters of God, that that is who we are? What does it mean? Well, if you want to write a few things down, and there's some fill in the blanks in your bulletin, I would love for you to write this down. Number one, notice that in this passage it says that he chose us. That as sons and daughters of God, we have been chosen by God. Isn't it amazing? There's something core in the heart of every human being that wants to be chosen. Just think about elementary school. Remember, you'd go out on the playground, and you know, you'd be playing dodgeball or kickball or whatever. And as a kid, I was really like skinny and lean and all of that. So like in dodgeball... I always got picked last. But in kickball, because I had real long, gangly legs, they were like, we picked Keller. <laughs> There's something in us, isn't there, that just wants to be chosen. We, we have this thing inside of us as human beings that wants to be chosen. That's why I think wedding ceremonies are so beautiful. Because we all sit there watching a man who's chosen a woman and a woman who's chosen a man. There's something about that. There's, there's, there's something about this desire in us that, that we want to be chosen. I was talking to a guy just yesterday at my Men's Connection group, and he said, man, pray for me. I got a job opportunity, and there's like hundreds of applicants. He wants to be chosen. Well, guess what? The Bible makes it clear that as sons and daughters of God, we have been chosen by God. And did you see it in the verse, verse 4? It says, before the creation of the world. In other words, before God made everything, he already chose us. That when God was coming up with the plan for the world, he could have looked down on the billions of human beings that he would one day create and chosen anyone else to be us, but he didn't. He chose us to be us in this place, in this time, who we are, where we are, when we are. We have been chosen by God. Maybe you're listening or watching or here today, and you're looking at your life, and you feel like you've always been the person who doesn't get picked. Maybe, maybe you look at yourself, and you go, I've, I've never been the person who gets chosen. Can I just tell you? That if that's who you think you are, it's time to start changing who you think you are. Because God says, you are a son, you are a daughter of 
with God. And he's chosen you. He goes on in verse 5. Let's look at it together. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Two things I want us to see in this verse about this whole idea that, that we are sons and daughters of God. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. Number two, he predestined us. Now here's the thing. For some of us who come out of religious backgrounds or we've been around the church world for, for any extended period of time, we've probably heard people or people who do what I do, preachers if you will, argue about this idea of pre being predestined. And, and the argument goes based on this verse that, that according to some, that there are some people who are predestined to go to heaven and some people who are predestined to go to hell. So no matter what you do, if you were predestined to go to hell, too bad. Sorry. Even though you want to get in, can't get in. Sorry, predestined. Nope. Okay. I don't know how, when you study the New Testament, you study Scripture, how you can possibly end up there. I mean, I think of, of verses like 1 Peter chapter 3 where, where it says, I, it, Peter's writing on behalf of God, and he says, I wish that no one would perish. John 3.16, for crying out loud, the most famous verse ever, like at every football game in the end zone, you know, there's the guy with the sign. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the, the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever, the word for whosoever means whosoever, whoever, that's everybody. It's not whosoever if you're lucky, no, 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 no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, anybody, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, i.e. go to hell, but have everlasting life, i.e. go to heaven. So let's, let's move away from, now what is your official position on predestination, reverend? I'll give it to you. Here it is, ready? You gotta remember who he's writing here to in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles. Now watch this. The Jews up to this point kind of had an exclusive claim on the whole relationship to God thing. So if you wanted to have a relationship with God prior to Jesus, you had to follow the rules, follow the regulations, clean up your act, go through all of these laws and all of these commands, the whole deal, and not the least of which was circumcision. Can I get a better amen, men? Thank you very much. Okay, so if you wanted to be right with God, according to the old system, you had to follow all the rules. Da, 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 da. Once Jesus came, which is what Paul's talking about, here's what happened. Jesus changed the playing field forever. He said, Jew, Gentile alike, it doesn't matter. What matters is your heart. That if you'll put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, not rules, not regulations, not circumcision or not uncircumcision, not any of those things. A relationship with Christ is what matters, is what includes you into the family of God. A relationship with Christ, Paul is writing and saying, changes your eternal destination. So what is predestination? It is God predeciding. That his will for all of us is that we would 
live eternally in heaven with him, that we would become sons and daughters of God, that our long-term destination would be forever different. And that's us. As sons and daughters of God, he's predestined. As a matter of fact, in, in chapter 2, verse, starting verse 11, he kind of unpacks it. Look, he, he says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, so he's talking to, to the Gentiles, any of us in here who are non-Jewish, he's talking to us, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, that that was kind of the, that was the big deal. Are you circumcised or uncircumcised? Uh, there you go. He says, you were formerly labeled uncircumcised uh, by those who call themselves. Sorry, he says, they, they were pushing you out. Verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. In other words, you were out of the family. Excluded from citizenship in Israel. And look at this word, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. He says, in other words, you couldn't get in. Sorry, your destination was hell, like it or not. Sorry. Without hope and without God in the world. Listen, that's pretty hopeless. But look at verse 13. But now, I love the big butts of the Bible. Ready? Here it is. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Right here, I'm telling you, this is a big butt. This what? 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 This is a big butt right here. Look. My mom comes to second service. I might not say that joke. <laughs> but it's funny. Wow. Which one are you going to use for the online? I don't know. <laughs> but now, in Christ Jesus, in other words, now that Jesus has come, everything's changed. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, far away, have been, what's the word, brought near, how? Through the blood of Christ. He says, Jesus changed the rules, baby. Everything's changed now. Because now we, the Gentiles, are no longer far away from God. We're no longer the uncircumcision, the unclean, the dirty ones who aren't allowed in the club. Because of Jesus, we're brought near. So when it talks about predestination, that we are predestined, what it means is God has predecided that he doesn't want anyone on the face of the planet to not be included in his eternal plan of life in heaven and abundant life here on earth. That's what this is talking about. He goes on in the same, that verse 5. There's a second part of that because it says that he's predestined us to be what? Adopted as sons and daughters. Number three, if you're taking notes, he adopted us. What does it mean to be sons and daughters of God? It means that we have been adopted. Understanding this idea of adoption is paramount to understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. I marvel at, at, at couples in our church who have felt called by God to adopt. My wife and I have two boys. They're, they're natural. They're ours. And we love them and they're awesome. But some of you have felt called to adopt. Matter of fact, my wife and kids just went to a birthday party last weekend of a couple, the guy who's, who's on our, our security team. And they were celebrating the birthday of one of their adopted sons. And I just gotta be honest with you, walking with people, praying with people through this process of adoption just takes my breath away at times. You know why? Because those of you who have felt called to adopt children, 
into your family. You understand components of the gospel that, that those of us who are just parents of natural kids probably don't understand. And the reason why is because you chose that child. My kids came out and it's like, like it or not, <laughs> ugly or not, you get them. But you adoptive parents, man, you understand a side of, of, of God our Father that many of us will never understand because God says that we are sons and daughters of God, but we're not just sons and daughters. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God, that God chooses us. We shouldn't be in the family. Sin in our life should keep us out of the family of God. But he predestined us to be adopted sons and daughters. And, and I love the last part of that verse, of verse 5, where it says, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. In other words, he's pretty fired up about it. He's really excited that you and I are the adopted sons and daughters of God. That, that God's excited. So here's what I know. I know that there are probably some of us who are listening today. And you don't think God is excited about you. You think God has a begrudging relationship with you. That God is, if you consider him a father at all, God is more of a general. God is more of a boss. Um... God is more of a frustrated parent to you. Can I just tell you that you are an adopted son and daughter of God? And here's what that means. According to his pleasure and his will. That God is up in heaven just as I was on Friday afternoon watching home videos, looking down on your life going, oh my kids. I love my kids. There's not a price too big to pay for my son and my daughter. Listen, some of you receive that today. Man, you need to let that get in your spirit. From here to here is a long, long distance for some of us. Let that get in there. You're an adopted son and daughter of God. And he's giddy excited. Verse 13, back in chapter 1. It goes on. I want us to see this. It says this. And you also, don't you love it that this whole, who do you think you are? This, it just, you know what? I'm, I'm just looking for the you are statements of the Bible right here. He goes on in verse 13. This is where it gets good. You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Here's, here's the fourth thing about this whole idea of being sons and daughters of God. Number four, we are, we've been included. We are included in Christ. Every one of us wants to be included. I remember eight years ago, seven, seven and a half years ago, when we had just moved here, uh, I, I, had, I turned 27. I, when we started the church, I was 26, almost 27. Sarah was 24. We were so young, too young to know we shouldn't be doing this. Um, and uh, about nine months into our church, I got invited to, to go and be a part of a pastor's, a little pastor's gathering called the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, ARC. And when I, I got there, I found this group of guys 
there were probably 50 or 60 at the time, who didn't care. They didn't care that I was young. They didn't care that I was inexperienced. They didn't care that I was the newbie. They didn't care that I wasn't from Louisiana like they were. They loved me and accepted me and allowed me included access to them. And they started teaching me and including me and calling me and letting me call them. And, and some of you have heard me tell the story. Our church, seven and a half years later, is completely different because I got included by that group of guys who have gone on to be some of the premier pastors leading the premier churches in our nation. Matter of fact, two weeks from today, we're going to have a special guest, Chris Hodges, Pastor Chris Hodges, who pastors Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And a year ago, Church of the Highlands was the fastest growing church in America. Uh, so this guy, it pastors, I was just, Mike, Ash and I flew up to Birmingham. We were just with him for a few days this week. And uh, Pastor Chris told us that they pastor over 12,000 people every week in their church. 12,000 people attend Church of the Highlands in like six or seven locations all over the state. It's, it's ridiculous. It's amazing. Uh, and, and so Pastor Chris was one of these guys that, that included me in, that accepted me. And I, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable that I, I have been given this included access to, to a guy who's one of the premier thinkers in Christianity today. And, and matter of fact, we were up there this week, and um, of course we were talking about the fact that Chris will be here in a couple of weeks on August the 8th, that Sunday. Uh, and like his whole staff was blown away, you guys. They were like, you don't understand. Pastor Chris doesn't travel on the weekends. He doesn't speak in other churches. I mean, he does, but the churches he speaks in are like Hillsong Church in Australia. He's speaking there in October, which is like 25,000 people. Um, Gateway Church in uh, Dallas, Texas, Robert Morris, which is like 20,000 people. Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. What's up now? Okay, guys, so, so make sure you're here. Tell everybody, come. Chris is going to be awesome. And if like, there's like three of us, it's going to be like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, the, the point is this, guys, I'm blown away at how God has allowed us as a church to be included in, in those circles and to be able to, to have those kind of networks and relationships. And um, God says it's the same way with us personally, that there's something inside of us that just longs to have kind of that included access, isn't there? And God says, you're sons and daughters of God. You've been given included access to the greatest places in God that you could ever imagine. And then the fifth thing that I want us to see is found in verse 13, the second part of that. You're also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. And then it says this second part of verse 13. Having believed, look at this, you were marked in him with a seal What's that? The seal that God has marked our lives with is the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is a deposit 
guaranteeing our inheritance. That's a financial term. Some of you CPAs and, and like financial people, you're loving this language right here. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are, in God's, who are God's possession to the praise of the glory. What's going on? Basically this. That number five, what does it mean to be a son and daughter of God? It means that we've been marked. I love studying marketing. I love studying branding and all of that. And I, I, I enjoy that whole realm of learning in the, the business world. But this idea of branding in marketing actually goes back to, to, to a, an agricultural term, a farming term, with cows. Okay, so forgive me. I got a little Indiana coming out. Listen, you can take the boy out of Indiana. You can't take Indiana out of the boy. Here's a little, my, my best friend had a Holstein farm. So I used to go and watch them milk the cows. Uh, Want to do it? No. You go ahead. And, and one of the things that they would do to cows is they would brand them. And some of us know this. We read it in history books or we grew up on a farm or whatever. And they would, they would brand them with that farmer's special seal. That way, if, if the animals ever got out and interspersed between one farmer and another, they would know whose animals were who. Well, see, that's what this is talking about. The Bible says that we've been marked, that when we put our faith in Jesus, that he marks us. He puts a seal on our heart. And what's the seal? The seal is the promised Holy Spirit. Maybe some of us, we've heard the word Holy Spirit, and it kind of freaks us out. We're like, is something weird going to happen? Is it? No. Here's what it is. The Holy Spirit is what God puts on our heart. It's a seal. And did you catch the part where it says he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us as a deposit? The word there is a down payment on our future inheritance. So God says, until you get to heaven, and experience your full inheritance as a son and daughter of God. Until that day, I want you to know that I'm with you. And the way you're going to know that I'm with you is I'm going to put a, a down payment, a deposit down on your soul. And the deposit I'm putting down on your soul is the Holy Spirit. So that you can live every single day of your life not not alone, not struggling, not trying to figure it all out. You can live every single day knowing with a, with a guarantee that I'll be with you. That's why God's put his Holy Spirit inside of us. So you and I don't have to navigate through life's journey and adventures alone. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live abundant lives, overcoming lives that his Holy Spirit inside of us changes who we are. So who are we? Who do we think we are? We are the sons and daughters of God. Complete with a down payment guarantee that we are children of God. That is what we are. So two questions this morning as we, as we uh, close this portion of our time together. Question number one is, are you a son and daughter of God? Maybe you're here today and you, you don't know. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never stepped across a line where you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. When he was crucified on the cross, he, he was the payment for sin, for us, for our sin, for the sin of the whole world, for all of humankind. 
Maybe you're here and you've never done that. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus today. It's simple. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. It's just, it's simply coming across that line in our heart and moving in his direction. You know what, can we just, for the sake of this moment, can we just bow our, our heads across this room just real quick? Because I believe that there are many who are here today who need to come across that line and begin to be included in the family of God. Need to become sons and daughters of God. And I want to give you a chance to just respond to that. If that's you today, if you've felt that in your heart and you're like, man, I, that's me. I, I'm far from God. I, I, I don't, I've never done that. Or I've, maybe I did that a long time ago when I was a little kid in Bible school. But now I, I, I've walked away from that and I want to return to my sonship, to my daughtership in God. That's what this is. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up real quick? I just, I, again, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Would you just, one, two, three, ready to go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Great. Fantastic. Thanks. Awesome. Anybody else? If you'll just slip your hand up. Father, right now, Lord, you see these hands that have been raised. And God, more than hands being raised, Lord, it's hearts being changed. So, Father, I pray on behalf of them that today would be their day, their moment where they cross that line in the sand, where they cross that line in their heart. They stop trying to figure out life on their own. But instead, they step into the son and daughtership that is ours in you. So, Jesus, we acknowledge in this moment that we're sinners, that we've screwed up, that we've missed the mark. We acknowledge that you are drawing us near and forgiving us now, beginning a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I thank you for that saving work that you're doing, even now as we pray. Still praying, with every head bowed, I want to ask another question today. Because I believe that there are some of us who are here who are sons and daughters of God, who are in the family of God, and we know that. But we've not been acting like it. How crazy would it be for a son or a daughter that's been adopted into a family to live all day with that family and function with that family and then at the end of the night grab their pillow and walk outside to the front porch and lay down to go to sleep. How crazy would that be? And when the father would come to them and go, what are you doing? Why, why are you going outside? Well, because I'm not. No, no, you don't have to sleep on the porch anymore. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You, get in the house. Get in the family. You're accepted. Don't Stop acting like you're not a part of this family. You are a part of this family. And even in this moment of prayer right now, I just believe that there are some of us who are here today and because you haven't fully believed that you're worthy of being called a son or daughter of God, you've not been acting like one. And I just want to pray for you today. Because I believe that what God wants more than anything is for his sons and daughters to know that they are sons and daughters and to be so firmly convinced of it on a belief level that it changes everything we do. So God, across this room today, I pray right now for every son, every daughter of you. Lord, when, when we start to move out of family bounds, when we start to, to drift away from the family table, 
pray that you would help us to just pull back, pull us back. God, for so many today who haven't been acting like the son and daughter of you that they are, I pray that today would be a day where you seal that work again in their heart. I pray that the work of the Holy Spirit that only you can do, God, would just, would just do that today, God. Be that guarantee, be that seal on our hearts today. That we would leave this place never the same again. We would leave this place with just an unbelievable understanding of who we are. That we are sons and we are daughters of the Most High God. Lord, thanks for including us in the family. We're unworthy of it. But we're ridiculously grateful for it. In Jesus' name, and all across this room, everybody said, amen.